0: Hello everybody. Recording live from
1: somewhere. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Bomb Diaries after long hiatus. Finally got one of these things out. And now I have two apologies to give. First, if anybody listened to the one that I released last night before taking it down, I apologize. For anybody who saw the update and then found no episode, I apologize. I took it down after deciding that uh, it's been a little over two months since my last recording and I felt a little bit rusty and then after thinking about the episode for a little while I decided it was not good enough for you to hear so I wanted to redo it uh, so I could give you something I thought was more worth listening to. So thank you for your patience, and also just generally sorry for how long this thing took to come out. It's been way too long since my last episode. Part of that is general laziness, part of it was busyness, part of it was a, a number of different things. But one of the things I'll tell you is that if if you enjoy these and you want to hear more, uh, part of the reason that I haven't released them as frequently as I did to start is just the the amount of time it takes compared with everything else. I am a, I am a comedian. Uh, I'm a part-time comedian, not by choice. That's where I stand right now. So I have a full-time job, which is about 45 hours a week. Uh, I have I have my own open mic uh, on Wednesdays that I run. Occasionally, I run my own shows. I go to other open mics and shows, and they all take time away from. Uh, the main thing that I need to do to fill my soul comedically, which is just write jokes and tell jokes. That's the number one thing. That's the one thing I can't take time away from. And it's tough to dedicate time to that as it as it is anyway, while being a good friend, family member, boyfriend, you know, all those things that you try to do. So this is part of the everything else that feeds the stand-up and just to just to be honest and let you guys behind the curtain the listenership of this is about a couple hundred people i'd say 3 to 400 people per episode which is great and i thank you and i appreciate every single one of you that takes the time to hear my stupid nonsense on a daily basis but uh, it takes about an hour to an hour and a half to record one of these. And I'm technologically stupid, so it takes another hour or two just to upload it. Then to make sure there's no terrible sound issues takes another couple of hours. Then to mix everything else together, put it on the podcast hosting site, advertise it, which I hate advertising or promoting anything, as you may have learned already. That's the one that takes the, takes the real energy out of me is the, the shameless song and dance that promotion is. So, for me, all those things take away from the one thing I need to do, which is write more material, tell more jokes um, so, to justify that, I need to have an audience that I can say, "This is just like doing a show, and this is this is worth taking the time away from the notebook to do it so, if you would like to see these even more frequently, uh, then I plan to I plan to get back on the ball with this, but if you 'd like to see these more frequently. Uh, the best way to do it is to share this with your friends. If you find an episode you like, send it to three or five. Send it, send the link to your friends and see if they'll listen to it. The more listens we get, the more downloads we get, the more five-star reviews and ratings we get, the more I can justify taking time for this and use it as a show, an open mic, and kind of convey to you what what's going on. So I appreciate everything to this point, point. and if not, I'll fit this in when I can fit it in, and that's great too, uh, for on on both ends. So I, I I appreciate whatever you decide to do or not do with that. Uh, but regardless, plan to get these more frequent. I just don't know how frequent it'll be. That'll be reliant on on my time and how this thing goes. Uh, so to to get into it, it's been a long two months since I've been away from you uh, and we've we've actually gathered new listeners so to any of the new listeners out there I appreciate it and strange spots you've found us from all over the world Ireland Australia Germany uh, I think Poland a, a few people it's always interesting to see how people stumble across uh, the podcast in their in their iTunes app or in the Spotify app so uh, thank you for joining it's been a long two months and to start I actually took my first, international trip to perform stand-up comedy I, I performed in Bangkok Thailand in uh, I believe it was in early March I took my first big international trip I, I, uh, I I've i traveled before only twice I went to Canada when I was a kid and went to Cancun Mexico when I was when I was still kind of a, at least a, a kid in in maturity but but less of an adult than I am now and uh, and that's the only place I've been. Uh, this vacation that I went to this year went to Thailand and Vietnam for about 11 days, and it was absolutely amazing. I've never done anything like that, never had culture shock like that. Uh, it, was a real, it was a real awakening for me and, and gave me the bug to travel more, so I, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, great time. Uh, the, my, my favorite part was the, we went to a beach kind of resort area in Thailand uh, called Phuket, is the name of the city and it's so relaxed and everybody was so nice and I'm a like I'm a simple guy simple things simple things carry the day for me so my favorite parts of it were we went to an elephant sanctuary and fed we paid to feed and wash elephants but it was really cool we got to hear the stories of the whole thing on how it breaks down and how they save these elephants and it turns out I I heard the story I'm sure a lot uh, like a lot of you have that it's, it's damaging to the health of the elephants when you ride their backs. And I, I heard that, and I was like, how can that possibly be for as heavy as an elephant is that, that we could damage them at all? And it turns out I learned what the problem was. The problem is, for one, how they're raised. It takes, uh, it takes some hard raising, and, and, and oftentimes they raise them by abusing them to, to teach them and, and break them into allowing you to be on their back, for one. And then the other part isn't, it's not your body that breaks down their back and hips. It's the harness that's required for you to be able to sit on the elephant safely. I want to say it was like one or two tons that it is required to to harness you in correctly. Uh, if not, it was a few hundred pounds and is very damaging to their body. So we went to a sanctuary. That was really cool. The The most fun I had was ordering ice cream off the street. They had this... Street on the way to the beach, which is kind of like a bizarre uh, block party type thing, where there were all kinds of food stands, all kinds of merchandise stands, and everybody's really nice. And uh, I ordered I ordered Thai ice cream like six times because they it was it was almost it was artistic to watch. They have these they have these steel drums with like a thin layer of ice on top, and what they do is you order what you want. So I would get like anything berry. And what they'll do is they pour this milky substance onto the ice and then they put the ingredients on, they put the berries on and all that. And then they take two ice choppers and they chop it up for about two minutes or so until it, it, they make ice cream out of it. But it's, it's this unique texture of ice cream and they, they roll it up when they're done into these little swirls and put it into a cup and serve it. To, it's amazing. And everything costs so little down there. We stayed in some of the best hotels I've ever been in my life for very cheap Um, all the food was extremely cheap. It was, it was so cheap that we would order three or four meals while we were out for one, just to be sure that we could eat an entire meal of something that we knew we would like. And two, just, just because we wanted to try everything that we could. So it was, it was a really good experience. Um, I had, I did have a weird experience as many people do in a Thai massage parlor, uh, and get your mind out of the gutter. It's not what you think. I went with my girlfriend to get massages and we went to get couples massages. I wasn't there to get yanked off, so don't even think about it. But I was there to get a massage and we walked into this one place and out from the back walked a dude who was like my size. And I looked at, I looked at my woman and she looked at me and I said, I, not, I, don't get upset, but I don't want to be massaged by a guy like me and she said well I don't either so we left and we're like all right we'll both we're just going to find a place that only has like older elderly ladies in it and we'll go there because I I don't it's not a for whatever reason on a massage I just want a I I just want a feminine energy and I'm I'm working on a bit about this right now so I'll spare you the bit but I don't want a dude bro like me giving me a massage I want I want to feel I want to feel delicate, and vulnerable, and I want to I want to relax, and I can't relax while a like a bro, is just working on my back, man. I don't want to wince and him, you know. Oh, you pussy! I didn't, that's only that's only sixty percent, bro. I know that's not how they talk in uh, Thai beach resorts, but that's how I would feel if a guy of my reasonable size was grinding me out on a massage table. That poor choice of words, but. You get the idea. So we go to this place and we we see through the window that there's, there's just three elderly ladies in there. And everybody, again, so nice. In Thailand, so friendly, apologetically friendly, and it's contagious that you start doing it too. Like I, your your heart is overwhelmed with sweetness every time you walk in. Like we would walk into our hotel room while the cleaning staff was still there, and all you would hear from the other room is "I'm sorry, I'm sorry." It's like this sing-songy, really nice, really sweet, and it was it was adorable, is what it was. And we couldn't get enough of it. It was just infectious niceness and and politeness and so it was it was a beautiful time and we walk in and they you know we do the we do the greeting to each other we put your hands in kind of a prayer uh in a prayer fashion and kind of hold them up to your face and sort of bow they do the same and um we say we're looking for a couple's massage and they say okay and they take us back to the room and they lay us down on beds. And there's a curtain between us, but I can see her face and she can see my face. So I see her masseuse come in, one of the elderly ladies come in and start working on her. And this is an hour-long massage. And then I feel, I feel somebody jump onto the bed. And there's like a thud. And I'm like, that's not one of those ladies. That's somebody with a. That's a someone took a vertical leap onto the bed. This is. I don't know who, uh, what secret weapon they brought out of the back, but that's not one of the ladies who was in the lobby when I was uh, walking in there. Sure as shit, I feel the jaws of life on my back, and I look, and it's this Thai dude who's not a particularly large guy, but for whatever reason, he he just... I, I don't know why this man possessed the strength that he did, being that the size that he was, but he I felt like my... I felt like my my whole left side went numb and then he stood on my back and it felt like his foot was was three thousand inches long. It was it was the longest foot I've ever felt in my life. The heaviest I feel like Shaquille O'Neal was on my back. Um, not this 175, 185 pound Thai man. And he's stomping down on my back. I don't know what the I don't know what a Thai massage is. I still haven't looked it up. From experience I know you just pay someone to beat the shit out of you for an hour cuz that's all he he was stomping on my back like he was trying to scrape something off of his foot. And like I said, I can barely feel my whole left my whole left side of my neck went numb. But but I don't want to look like a punk in front of my old lady and she's looking right at my face and but it I'm 1 minute into the massage. I've got I'm minute 1 of 60. I've got 59 minutes to go with this dude. And so I just owned it and took my beating, and I couldn't turn left for about two days. It was it was really it was really special. I can't tell you how relaxed I felt after my first authentic Thai massage. And he was laughing his little balls off the whole time. At first he thought I didn't know. It was a man. I heard him and him and the other masseuse were giggling with each other. And in like 15 minutes in, he did the big reveal of like. How does that feel, sir? As if I didn't know a man was on me before he hit me with the voice. And I just turned around and said, not so good, sir. And he <laughs> kind of laughed. And, and, then, and then the next move that he did was he took both of my arms and put them behind my back and pulled me apart like he was trying to get a coin out of the middle of my body, basically. Like there was a reward inside of me. He was pulling me apart. It was awful. Don't do it. I don't know what kind of massage you should get when you're over there, but don't ask for the couple's time massage when you go. I promise you, you're not going to be happy. So that was that. Um, and then we went to Bangkok, which was crazy. Uh, for, as, for as calm and fun as Phuket was, Bangkok, there was so much to see and it was amazing, but it was crazy energy. And you were in jeopardy all the time of being taken advantage of. It was like being in Cancun in that regard. There were a lot of schemers and scammers and all that. Like we would walk, we went to the Grand Palace and there was somebody out, out there waiting for us despite the fact that there was like an armed security guard, uh, police officer right in front of the building. There's this person grabbing us and saying, "No, the the Grand Palace is closed today. They're having a they're having a monk ceremony. You can't go today. But we can take you in a taxi to this place, this place, that place for you know however much six hundred a thousand baht or whatever it is, and then we'll take you here at eight thirty tomorrow morning." And I'm like, "Ah, it just doesn't sound right." So I walk around the corner and look in the entrance, and the place is is packed with people. It couldn't be more open than it was. At that point they're just they're just trying to hustle and make a buck and that happened everywhere like we went to we were taking a water taxi to go to this cool shopping center where they had festivals and all that same thing they hit us with the oh you're going there there's a protest in the center today so that all the taxis are down you can't go and just to try to sell you whatever it was they're selling and i imagine a lot of people fall prey to this and end up going in the wrong direction and they get pretty screwed up over it so be careful there's all kinds of scams out there. So at this point, I'm pretty jaded and I'm sick anyway. I, I got the flu uh, or either a flu or a sinus infection right before I went because people are garbage when they're sick. There's hunks of shit and don't care about everybody else, myself included sometimes. But it just so happened that the three or four days before my trip, it felt like every third person I ran into was sick and didn't mind sharing it with me. Um, the worst of which came at the Wednesday open mic that I run, that I host, right before I flew out. I flew out on like a Friday or a Saturday. And Wednesday night, we have this open mic. There's about 20-some comics on, on the show that night. And the night's running long. And three people I ran into were already sick. They told me they had the flu. And I'm like, oh, great. This is, can't be in a better spot than this. And then I'm sitting in the back of the room while the comic's on stage, waiting for them to get done. And this dude, who doesn't even do comedy, came up to me and he leaned down and he whispered, hey, um, if you're looking for somebody else to get on stage, I can perform tonight. And I went to tell him I appreciate it, but we're, we're pretty jammed up tonight. And he said, and don't worry, I brought an extra microphone so I don't get anybody else sick. He's saying this into my mouth and nose. He's leaning directly. He's an inch and a half away from my face. And he's blowing his breath out going, and I brought an extra microphone so I don't get anybody else sick. I, I've, I thank God I didn't have a microphone in my hand. I would have thrown it at his face. I was like, as soon as he blew his breath on me and said that, I was like, well, I know I'm going to get, get sick. It's just a matter of when now. And hopefully hopefully it kills me before I, I get to this international trip, to be honest, because it's going to be easier than dealing with it. And so I, sure as shit, day two into the trip, I'm sick and I'm in Thailand and I don't have medicine and they don't have medicine like I'm used to. It's not like you walk into the Thai Bangkok CVS and they got tons of shit. I walked into their convenience store and I tried to explain what I had and they pointed me to one pack of things that looked like Alka-Seltzer tablets that I bought and it didn't alleviate your symptoms or help you get better. All it did was shut off the faucet in your head so it stopped my nose from running, stopped me from coughing, but it didn't do it not only didn't do anything for the symptoms, it made them worse because it's all stuck in my head not moving now. So this is where I'm at and dealing with kind of scammers all day. This is on show day. Um I got booked to headline a show at Bangkok Comedy Club, which is a fantastic spot. Uh they run a they run a really good thing out there. And I, I can't believe I'm forgetting the guy's name right now who runs it, but they've brought some huge names out there. They've got they've had Neil Brennan out there this year, I think. They've had Ari Shafir out there, a number of big time comedians and so uh, it was an honor to be able to perform out there and they've got a great scene and some really good, fun, nice comics. So I, I was just happy to get into a comedy club atmosphere, again, where I feel safe and comfortable for a couple hours. But I'm dealing with this this conundrum of do I not take medicine and just pour mucus out of my head the entire time I'm on stage or do I take this medicine and feel like my, my body is going to is just ceased to, to feel like my eyes are going to pop out of my head because everything in my sinuses is just bottled up but not stopping. It's just not coming out of my head. Do I want to feel like my head's going to explode or do I want to let my head literally explode in front of a room full of nice people who came out to a comedy show? I decided to bottle it up. So I'm popping these alka ish pills like they're M&Ms during the show just to keep everything inside and feeling disgraceful, But I'm going to get through it. And the crowd uh, was interesting. When I asked what the crowd's typically like, they said normally it's about half to two-thirds U.S. expats and then half just international generally. Um, This particular night, I was one of about four U.S. expats and my girlfriend was one of the other ones and then basically two others. And everybody else was international, which was a blast but it was a real learning experience for me because there were certain references that they said that I didn't get and and some references that once I got on stage that I said that they just didn't get. Like I, I tell stories about taking the bar exam to be an attorney in law school and what it's like to pay for school and pay for the bar exam and they weren't connecting with that at all. Because because where they were from, it's that's not how it you don't fund with loans your own bar exam after you've already gone to school. It's I guess it's part of the deal. So there I can see their wheels turning trying to connect with what I'm saying instead of just being in tune with the references that I'm talking about, but anything, some like to give you an example. I have an international reference about an Indian man who who alleviated my tensions during the bar exam, and I talked about that. And they they picked up on that one heavily because they they know that influence. There were a few Indian people in the crowd. Uh, they were very familiar with Indians. But my girlfriend is Mexican, and I have a joke about uh, the the differences culturally of us dating each other. And it kind of fell flat because they don't know those references. They don't. There's not as heavy a uh, Mexican preference or, or uh, uh, prevalence, <laughs> not a preference, prevalence over there um, as there is here. So that one kind of fell flat, and it was an interesting experience. Of you better really comb through your material to to pre- predict what's going to work and what's. I'd love to go back sometime to take another shot at it, but. Um, you know, it, it was, it was a great learning experience in general, but the the set didn't go the way I wanted it to go. Uh, so I was pretty disgruntled and sick anyway. And by the time I got out of there, it was almost midnight. It was a long show. I think there were maybe 12 comics on the bill and they did an intermission in the, in the meantime and all these things. So it's about midnight and I'm heading to the train station well, we're heading to the train station and we've got to fly out. We've got to leave for the airport at 2 or 3 a.m. the next morning to get to Vietnam. So we, we're hustling and I'm just over it and I'm, I'm kind of upset that the set didn't go the way I wanted to. And this is part of a about a month long, after the Swartzen shows that I talked about in the last episode, there's been a good, solid month that I had that I was struggling on stage or at least the sets weren't going the way that I wanted them to go. So it felt like bombing, to me. It just wasn't, it wasn't for a month straight. I mean, this happens when people go through funks. Uh, Me and my buddies always have it, but a month is, is long and it's unique and it is not fun. And once you get into it after a couple weeks, you kind of get in your head a little bit and then you're perpetuating it yourself. Your perception becomes reality and you start to question, shit, is anything that I'm saying funny? Are the jokes that I'm, that i've been telling for years that they work are they just outdated or do they do i not connect with them anymore is it too raw is it is it too is it not raw enough is it too campy is it too deep uh, is is this bit not deep enough what's and you just you get in your head too much and it it just kind of keeps going from there and this was part of a month long thing that i was involved in so we're walking back to the train station and i'm i'm kind of bummed out and we were getting our tickets to get on the train, and from behind me, I hear somebody say, "Hey, what hotel are you guys going to?" And again, I, I've been being scammed all week, and we got two hours to sleep before we hit hit a plane, and I'm not having it at this point. So I just I don't even look. I just hold my hand out, and I go, "Nah, bud, not not interested." And I get my ticket and walk through the turnstile. And as I go through the turnstile, I go, oh, shit, Lexi's behind me. I should have let her go ahead of me. That person's behind her now. So I turn around to make sure everything's okay. And when I look, I see the guy who yelled to me wasn't a scammer. He was one of the comics from the show. Like, so I felt like a double asshole of like, Jesus, man, Jesus, now, this guy thinks not only did I get on stage and not do as well as I wanted to do and str- like I'm the oh, American comes over and, you know, doesn't exactly blow the doors off the room, but now he tries to, you know, make a connection with me and I big dog him and I'm too, I think I'm too good to say hello quick. And so I rushed to this dude and tried to apologetically explain to him what happened. But as you can imagine, the only thing that may be more offensive than being shrugged off like that is for that person to then explain to you that you reminded him of all the scam artists in his country. So I was kind of fucked either way, and he was nice about it, and we kind of shook hands, but I left going. If there was any way I could feel lamer than when I left the club... We're like a mile away from the club. I didn't see anybody behind me. I never would have expected this guy. But if there were any way I could feel lamer... Then I did. That was the one. So anyway, that was that, and we we did uh, Vietnam, which was pretty amazing. We went to some some of these. We went to the 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 original capital of Vietnam, and we stayed in Hanoi and saw these amazing things. and And the contrast of the two cultures was unbelievable. Uh, and and I'll maybe touch on that a little bit more another time. But I see them already wasting enough of your time uh right now on this solo podcast. So moving on to when I got home. Um and by the way, is no place like home once you get home. As much as I love traveling and seeing the new cultures and all that, they're just the life I am built for the life that we have and I've been I'm I'm it's ingrained in me from everything. Just the opportunities, the traffic when I was over in Vietnam, especially, and even Thailand too, the traffic is so much different there. When you walk across the street, there's no walk signs. You just go, and there's a mass of cars that just flex around you, and you feel like I'm for sure I'm gonna get run over, but but I'll do my best. And they don't. I still don't know how they navigate around you, but it's horrifying for the first few hours that you're there to walk through the mass of vehicles that never seems to stop while you're going through it it's it was just good to be home and one of the things i was saying when i was there like i said we would get we would get two or three meals each while we were out there especially in vietnam because we we found it tough at least for our tastes to find food that that we could eat uh on traveling without kind of getting sick and that would be kind of flavorful and what we like so we would each get like two meals and we would go out um, and, and to give you an idea, while still being respectful, two of the meals, we, the four meals that we've had out there that were the best, one of them was this traditional, like 10-course Vietnamese meal that was amazing from start to finish. Another one was this uh, authentic, well, authentic, this Vietnamese restaurant that was really good near the, the lake on the, on the hotel where we were staying. And then the other two best meals that we had while we were there were, were Domino's. Um, so to, just to, it was tough. But here, you can, I mean, I'm, I live in Bakersfield, which is by population the 48th, uh, I think, biggest city in the country. And you can get anything you want out here. You want good American food, you got it. You want good Vietnamese food, you got it. You want great Thai food, you got it. Great Italian food, you got it. Great Chinese food, you got it. Anything that you want out here, you can get. And it's, it's the 48th biggest city in the country Imagine going to imagine any other country that you go to, the forty eighth most populated city. Like if for me being in Vietnam, going to the forty eighth most populated city and finding a bang in Italian, Chinese, and American food restaurant. It just does not happen. It's what makes you so appreciative of the melting pot that's our culture out here. It was really good. I wish I wouldn't have waited so long in life to start doing this. But anyway, we get back home. And within three weeks, I've got a show that I'm promoting at Tembler Brewing Company. This is at the end of March, March 23rd. And it, it was a big deal. Um, I felt a lot of pressure on this one. We've been lucky over the last few years to build up a really, uh, a really good thing there. My, my friend who you heard on an earlier episode, Dave, he books the big names at Tembler. He books the Swordsons, the Brewers, the, uh, the Davittells. All those people. And he and his, his ownership group have been gracious enough to allow me, on behalf of the local scene, to book more local regional showcases. And we've brought some big names in. We've done Ian Edwards, and most recently Tom Clark, and, and Anna Valenzuela, who's been on Comedy Central, and a number of, of of Great. Uh, Nicole Amy Scheiber, who's who's kind of one of those people who's next to crack. She opens for Dave Attell. Uh, she's just made a regular at the Comedy Store. She's she's on her way. So we brought some good big names there, but it's smaller scale uh, than the than the huge. Shows And we're in the side room, which holds about 225 people, 250 if you pack them to the rafters uh, kind of shows. And over the course of the last two or three years, we've built this thing up to where the last five shows or so we've sold out and really packed it in, which is so rare for a local, regional. I mean, we're selling these things. We have big names come in, but we don't tell anybody who's even on the show. I just hang our Streets of Bakersfield banner that myself and my my buddy Dan Betts run shows under at another venue, and we just promote it that way. We put the comics in the bio, but to me, I've noticed that at least in our town, if you're not selling Dave Attell and they're buying shows for Dave Attell, they're just like they're not going to buy anything with just my face because I'm just comedy, I haven't been on ABC Comedy Central. CBS, Showtime, HBO. I haven't been on any of those things. So if you come out to see me, you're not going to come out because of what my face looks like and you don't recognize my name. You're just out for comedy. And if it's not one of those huge names, most people are just coming out on faith for comedy. So I switched the model to just market the brand of the comedy show so that people know when they see my ad, they hopefully know what kind of show it's going to be and it's, it's worked out for us. For... A number of reasons growing pains we learned a lot of things and and the tembler group group has been so good with us and we've put on good shows and we don't try to pat our pockets with money this really is a labor of love so you know myself dave tembler from these regional showcases we don't take a dime from it we spread it all out we cover expenses and then we spread it to the people who deserve it the comics on the show the staff that were anybody anybody we can spread it to we do and that was a very that was a very deliberate thing from the beginning that I didn't want to be conflicted to do things for the sake of my or anyone else's pocket as opposed to what's best for putting on a show and building a scene so it, from day 1 no matter whether we make 30 grand on a show that's how it's going to fare out so we always did it that way but this particular one since we've started um and built this thing up to what it is as often becomes the case other people want to kind of come in on that success and build on it too so we're at Tembler's on Buck Owens Boulevard and we started these a couple of years ago like I said since we've built it up to what it is at the time of the March 23rd show there were four other places on Buck Owens Boulevard alone that started doing comedy shows four in a two block radius four that's very rare for my tiny little city but what happened is they saw the success of what's going on and they go i'd like to jump in on that too and you can't fault anybody for that i understand that and anything that builds the scene is great but anything that doesn't involve the local scene and doesn't build the scene which a a couple of those were we wanted to make sure that we kept our position so I had a, a, a guy who I know who were kind of a, acquaintances in early March, or it might have been early February, mid, mid-February, came to Tembler on a night where I was doing the open mic and informed me that he was starting a venue that he just got a deposit from the owner to do a show at a venue literally across the parking lot from Tembler. And the way he said it at first, I felt like it was kind of a challenging tone. So I just said, hey, good luck, man. Good luck, and he said, no, "No, no, it's not. It's not like that. And you know, anything that goes on, I, I bring in, bring in the local gang here for sure. And whatever goes on, we want to make sure that uh, we don't have any conflicts. So I'll work out dates with you. You know, great. Sounds good. At this point, I already had my March 23rd show and all that stuff. So we had a good time, shook hands, left on a good note. And then uh, a couple of weeks later, I see an advertisement for this show, and." I hadn't heard anything about it and I noticed that it was booked for the night before our show. So ours was on Saturday, March 23rd. They booked theirs Friday, March 22nd. Our show, $10 ticket price, $20 VIP. Their show, absolutely free. Um, And the, uh, uh, at least one headliner who has kind of a local draw that has a few a handful to a few handfuls of people that always come out to see him so I look at this and you know I I can't knock it I understand it and I look and I go well it's pretty clear what's going on here you're trying to undercut what we have going on and be the you know be a new staple in this area which I would be more than willing to help but I can see the undercutting I mean you and that's what a lot of you can't knock somebody. It's what a lot of people would do. You show up, you put on some good comics, uh, you go free to build an audience uh, and maybe maybe borrow or steal some, some other audiences. You, you give them what you try to give them and try to build it up from there. But also, I feel this pressure of, all right, well, this is a person who didn't really reach out to us. It doesn't look like they're looking for local scene building. That's for certain. Um, if this show that I'm putting on flops people are going to know it and maybe we start to lose our audience and maybe this thing doesn't help the local comedy scene like it used to so silently I'm feeling a lot of pressure but this is something that is something that I didn't think was right to share with the group I think inherent in especially the small town comedy scene kind of driving the scene forward and in leadership of the scene as a few of us um feel the responsibility for it wouldn't be right to galvanize the group like that because again i don't know what's going on so maybe the show is great that's next door and will be great for the scene but i feel pressure to make sure that that ours doesn't flop and so i've got this and it puts a lot of tension on uh on the staff and myself and dave and so we're, we're silently owning this and no one else knows about this but we're, we're at least my me i know i'm feeling the pressure to make sure that this thing goes well and normally a year or two ago pre-sale tickets for a locally run show were not a thing you didn't that did not happen so if if you even a lot of the shows that are going on right now if i would tell them they've sold 40 pre-sale tickets they would be over the moon and i was like that not long ago too but now i know i've got the precedent and responsibility of filling up a 225 seat room and the first time that slips we got a problem so three weeks out from the show you know we're 30 or so tickets pre-sold and i'm sweating because i'm going that ain't enough and then we get to 40 tickets and then maybe maybe two weeks to go we're between 50 and 60 tickets and i'm like this this could be a disaster and they that's kind of the way the, the town is, is you kind of sweat it out. It's a last-minute ticket buy in town anyway, but you just never know for sure. So we get to within a week, and we get to within a few days, and we get to the day before, and at this point we're all exhausted. And I wake up the day of the show, and Dave texts me and says, uh, we've sold 103 tickets. And I'm like, Ah, oh, Christ, okay. And I just wrote back, well, if we can sell another 35 or so um, at least we can set up the room to where only we'll really know how light the room is and we can probably still give him a good show if we work for it, who knows. But, and I'm starting to resign to the fact of, well, we did everything that we can do. We promoted it the way that we could. We booked the right people. We told the right people. Without getting gross and being shameless and doing things that I don't feel comfortable doing, we did everything we possibly could. So if it doesn't work out, then we failed, and and you know, failing's not the worst thing. It's it's not the worst thing to take a slice of humble pie every now and then. So I'll own it, and you know, figure out how to get better, or, or you know, figure out another way. And then, as time went on during the day, incrementally, tickets started to increase. So I'm 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 awake, I'm awake, going all right. We're at one hundred and three tickets, and then by five p.m., which is two hours before the show before we start to get at the door sales, uh, with two hours of still pre-sales to go, we were at 193 tickets. So on the verge of sellout, even if we didn't do another ticket at that time, and it was such a relief of like, motherfucker, it worked. They didn't quit on us, which is amazing. It's amazing that with all the options they have, like I said, they've got five options on Buck Owens Boulevard alone to go to comedy shows. I'm in my buddies run at least another three to five in town and then a kind of outside acquaintances run another three to five in town at any given time. And we don't know why they've come out in such full force for this, but we're, I was so relieved and appreciative that they did. And the show was great. I went up and eh, did okay. (laughs) I was still in the middle of my, my, my schneid. But everyone else did great. My buddy Joe Allen, on the show, nailed it. Um, I think Boydston might have been on that show. I can't remember. But Tom and Stephanie Clark came out and closed out the show and did a fantastic job. Everybody happy. Everybody go home. Have a great time. All, all It was It was such a relief that it worked out. And I don't know how the show next door went, but it, it, you know, hopefully it went well for them. I heard they're not uh, going to be <laughs> doing them anymore, but hey. As I say, good luck. Um hope hope it works out. I was just glad to see that ours ours uh worked out too. But I will say one thing is the pressure I've I've started to back away a little bit from the pressure and control freakness that I felt because you know some I I talk about this with my buddies with Dan and Joe and and some of the other people who were kind of leaders in the town and 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 some of the people who are kind of staples and who people look to for influence, my, my friend Margaret and, and all those people, and talk about the inherent. If you want to lead a group and ask a certain amount of things out of people that you probably don't have a business to ask, you've also got to take the responsibility of the inherent unfairness that leading a group brings. And that's just part of the game. You're going to get criticized from people who have no idea what goes on behind the scenes and how much this takes and that's okay that's part of the job you're not supposed to get cre- when you decide to lead a group your pats on the back are officially over so i recommend anybody who wants to take charge of something don't do it unless you're aware of that and completely okay with the fact that that a, a light's not going to be shined on your accolades anymore because that's not what you're there for almost like a referee you're doing your best when people don't notice what you're doing and you're going to get criticized and everything that you do is going to have a counterbalance that you didn't expect and a reaction that you didn't expect and a precedent that you may not have planned for or accounted for. It's just part of the game. And, and part of a, a thing that I think I'm learning is that I've got to let that go a little bit and not grip the group so tightly but also let myself off the hook a little bit and take a little less responsibility for everybody's warm fuzzies and success because during that show like I said unless you're talking a big show there's no locally run show without the Dave Attell type names well there's no locally run show with those but there's no locally run show except the ones that are being done at Tembler where you see 250 people coming in to a room to see. I mean, there's times that the open mic has 100-plus people at it, which is rare for local shows, let alone these shows packing 250 people all the time. So it is a glare. I don't know why, but we just found something special, and it worked out well, um, and we're very happy for it. But on this particular night, the show that I'm talking about... Really, no comics who weren't on the show came out. My buddy Landon Webb of the Oh Yeah Bub podcast came out. Uh, I think he might have... No, he he didn't bring a friend out to that one, but he was the only one. And so I looked at that, and I didn't harbor any ill will or or, um, bad feelings about it, but I looked at that, and I was like, okay, um, let yourself off the hook a little bit. You don't have to grip so tightly to make sure that the 27th person in the comedy group is having all their needs met their perceived needs met and they you're helping them achieve their dream all in the end direct the energy to um trying to set an example of how to make these things work to the best of what you know how um we'll put we'll continue putting on these shows and if you would that's that's all i can do is set a pace and an example and try to help should you seek it um how to at least at least follow the blueprint that we stumbled into. So if you want to come out and check it out for comics, the show is always free, come check it out and enjoy a show and see the example and maybe you know find out how to get it. but if and, and the comics who can perform on a night like that who are, have worked their way to it are going to be on those shows. Um, but the ones who, who can't I can't justify to get you on just yet, if you want to come out and see, what it takes to perform for a room like that, be glad to have you. Any question, be glad to answer. But if you don't want to see the example and you don't want to ask the question and you don't want to be a team player when your buddy Joe Alaniz is on or when your buddy Eddie Molina is on and you don't want to, don't want to come out and support, that's totally fine. But like I say, good luck. It's good luck. So I'll, I'll do the best I can for you within that lane. But otherwise, best of luck to you um so that was that um and and speaking of uh comics not always supporting and doing the right thing I'll I'll give one on myself that I did and again apologies for anybody who downloaded the first one and listened to that one already and is listening to this one again I know there's a lot of repeat on it um this is a better version but the only thing worse than listening to my voice drone on about these silly things once I'm sure is listening to it twice so I will not fault you for turning this (laughs) off uh, but but one of them that I did and even still after knowing the manners of comedy and, and kind of the, the unwritten rules to follow I still break them too and I got booked on this show in San Diego uh, from a great guy who's actually buddies with uh, Joe his name is uh, Dave O'Callens Runs a great shop out of uh, the Madhouse Comedy Club in San Diego. They, they I think they have a main room and a back room, and they may have a side room where they can run two or three shows at the same time in a night, and it's really good stuff. Um, San Diego's got a fantastic comedy scene. They've told me that you can get on stage like five times a night, which is insane for, for where we are here in Bakersfield where you're crushing it if you can get on five times a week. So they've got a real advantage at their hands, and they've got some good people running good shows, Dave being one of those. And uh, he booked me to do a show in the main room there. I forget what day it was, if it was a Sunday or what it was. But I knew I had work the next day. And um, I was just playing. It's about four and a half hours, four hours from uh, Bakersfield. So what I was planning to do was go to the show, get home at like, you know, three thirty, four o'clock in the morning, sleep for 90 minutes and just gut it through the next work day. I'd already planned to do that. And it's, it's not Dave's responsibility that I have work the next day so I just had that in my head but then I got out to the show and I saw the list and out of the 10 comics on the list or 12 I was like number two so I was like oh shit I can sneak out of here early and get an extra two hours and my brain immediately went there And Dave actually came up to me and said, "Hey, this guy wants, who's like number eight, wants to switch with you because he wants to go do another mic in town." And it just before I could even think about it, it slipped out of my mouth to go, "I have work the next day. I got to get back to Bakersfield." And he was cool about it. He said, "Okay." Like it, it never showed. He never showed that it bothered him. It might not. He might not have even noticed it. But in hindsight, it just bothered me. And sure as shit. I got up and I did my set, and the set went, yeah. I didn't turn in what I wanted to turn in for somebody having the decency to bring me down from Bakersfield to perform in their actual comedy club room. But uh, it was what it went fine, just not as fine as I'd like it to go. And then, sure enough, another comic or two later, I snuck out and told Dave, hey, I'm sorry, I got to run, got work the next day. And I didn't have to run. And he was cool and said, hey, no problem at all. You know, catch up again soon. That was great. And I was, I was like 30 minutes into the drive home, and I'm like, you know, what an asshole I, I am. The guy put me on a show down here. I came down, did the number two spot, stuck around for 10, 15 minutes, and rolled out. There's still an hour, hour and a half of the show. Didn't watch the comics. Didn't stick around to talk and thank the crowd after the show. Just bailed out. Classic L.A. Big Dog, but not real Big Dog style. And, and here I am, being that guy. Um, and so I, I, even, even still after mentioning what I did about the Tembler show, I make the mistake at times too. And I I don't know if it bothered Dave at all, but I, I, it would be completely within his right if he was bothered. And, uh, hopefully I get to make it right someday and, and, and say, you know, sorry for, sorry for, for being rude and, and disrespectful like that. So we are all Guilty of it, and Dave. If someday, if you would like to, even when I apologize in person, look at me and say, "Hey, good luck." Totally get it. So after that, the bombing continued uh, (laughs) for a couple weeks, and again, I was pretty dome rocked. But eventually, luckily, something broke and and got out of the slump. And this last uh, couple weeks was a real refresher in and regrouping of what makes this so enjoyable. Because another thing that you, at least for me being, being a little older, I started this when I was 27 and now I'm 33. Um, So even, even at, at that, I feel a little self-conscious sometimes. It's like, well, we're five years in, we've done some cool things, but again, not on any shows. And I see how long the road is. If, if I would have, if I would have been able to do the things, if you would have told me, four years ago, I did some of the things that I've done, I would have been amazed, but mostly because I thought I would have thought it was so much closer to the goal, which is doing this thing for a living, uh, than I am right now. I see how long the road is and how windy and and unclear the road to get there is and random it is now. Um, so it's kind of, you get dome rocked by it and go like, am I wasting my time? Am I, am I just, being an idiot, spinning my tires here. Like, what am I doing with this period of arrested development? I spend all my free time trying to write jokes and go to open mics when I could instead be, you know, if I spent that time at the office, where would I be? If I spent that time on a second job, where would I be? If I spent that time being a better friend, brother, son, boyfriend, where would I be? Um, And then every once in a while something happens. Normally, you know, the, the comedy is enough and justifies itself but sometimes you're in that funk and it takes something big to bring you out. We got that a couple weeks ago. Uh, We got contacted at Tumblr about uh, this woman contacted and her name is Cassie to let us know that um, she was, she was, she's terminally ill and she's only, she, she's got a very limited time remaining. And at first we thought she was in the make a wish program, but I think she just had a final wish that her, her one wish before she passed was to try stand-up comedy and she wanted to do it at Timbler and it's one of those things it's so it's so humbling and refreshing into why you choose this as a passion because it because not long before I was feeling kind of silly for whatever and then I realized all these things that sometimes I frame it as though I have to do them the truth is I get to do them I get to have fun And tell jokes and talk into a microphone for you three, four hundred people and however many people come out to an open mic. And I get to hang out with my friends and my friends are all hilarious. And we're all a weird collection of broken toys that get together and would have gotten together under no other circumstances. And we've got a connection that, that you can't build otherwise. And here we are. We got this woman. And, and as soon as I spoke to her, I gave her a call to talk beforehand. She's, she's about the sweetest woman you'll ever meet. And she's such, a, she's such a light that shined on the group. And you can't help but be happy when you talk to her. She's just a blast. And her one wish before she goes is to share that with other people and make us laugh and make us happy and just tell her story in a fun lighthearted way so when she asked we were like of course and we're going to do everything we can do to make sure this thing works out exactly how you have it planned and so we did that we set it up and we very very strictly instead of doing open mic sign up go up we picked the list of especially I put her in the sweet spot of like the fifth spot and very specifically picked people before her that would build the night a certain way again it wasn't about it was all the people on the show were funny but it wasn't just about that it was about people who have a certain sensibility certain type of humor and understood the gravity of the situation and know that the night is not about us or anything else but to make sure that Cassie has the best possible night she can and in those first couple spots I put people who I just knew for what I wanted were money in the bank I had my buddy Boydston who's money in the bank, start off the show, knew he'd be lighthearted and fun and get the crowd going. Next uh, was my friend Margaret, who's one of the sweetest human beings on earth and hilarious, one of the funniest people I know. She's fantastic, knew she would nail it. Alex yeah. Valencia, who at this point I know has, has a solid five to ten minutes, uh, and it's a lot of energy, and he puts the energy into it every time, which I knew I could count on. Um, and I knew he would be lighthearted and and be good energy for the crowd. Number four is my buddy Dan Bets, who again lighthearted, good energy. He's kind of a Swiss Army knife. You can kind of put him in to anything. You need a host, he could do it. You need a feature, he could do it. You need forty five minutes, I think he can do it. Uh, if you need lighthearted, he could do it. You need to go a little blue, he can do it. He's he's just kind of has all those things. And I knew he would have the sense to stick around. To help, you know, Cassie get on stage and interchange the microphones and chairs and all those everything, anything that could possibly turn up that we hadn't thought of or accounted for, he would have the sense to to fill any spots. So we do that. And then Cassie goes up. And by the way, she did twenty minutes and crushed it. She did a fantastic job as though she had been a pro and she can't see what's going on in the room. She's she's legally blind she just, she rocked the room. It was, it was really fantastic and impressive. And she had such a good time and we had such a good time. And then I put one of my best friends who I know I can count on, um, in, uh, the spot right after her, which we actually joked about. I said to the crowd, who would want to follow this? Everybody enjoyed that. And we, we kind of enjoyed watching Joe have to deal with it. Um, And he did a fantastic job, as I knew he would. And then the rest of the comics on the bill were all reliable and I knew would give a great night and be able to deal with some distractions and all those things. Uh, So the the night worked out perfectly. And like I said, just such a just a just a reminder of why we do this and and why we love it so much and what it means to other people at times no matter how small and trivial what we feel is is like we're doing it was just a really good refresher and kind of kind of restarted the motor on that end and then uh i got another i got another gig that that filled the tank even more uh, it had been a little while since i've been up to fresno and i always enjoy uh, going up there to do the the shows up there that I do and I I got called up to do a a new one that I haven't done before but I've heard a lot of good things about it's at this venue called Strummers and it's run by uh, a couple of comics Carmen Gefkin uh Ali O'Leary and Tanya Salzer and I think there's one more person who's involved uh but I, we didn't we didn't uh speak too much so I'm not sure but anyway I've heard great things I just haven't worked with them yet. And I've heard they fill a room on Thursday nights for a paid show, which is really, like I said, it's hard enough to fill for a Saturday night show to get people to pay to come out to see just a regional thing, let alone to get people to come out on a Thursday night. It's hard enough to get people to come out Thursday for free, let alone to get them to come out Thursday and pay a ticket price to come in. But sure enough, they do it. And they fill the room, and they ran a great show from top to bottom, despite the fact that I think a couple of them are pretty new. Uh, I think Carmen may have been at it for a good couple of years now. But if I'm not mistaken, I think Allie and Tanya are more on the new end. Um, so that's... It's just great to see people picking up the trade quickly and doing things well and being on top of it and building another scene and driving another scene forward. And, uh, and these this this group i've never seen involved in any drama i've never seen them taking shots at other people i never see them jump in the day-to-day rumor mongering and petty stuff that we is is really any group but but comedy groups specifically can get into and and another lesson that that i've noticed all the people who i really respect and admire who i, I never see involved in the fray like I never see them on the day-to-day calling people out, talking shit, uh, bad-mouthing other people, trying to knock them down. I never see the people who are doing things, you're really doing something, have that. um, And anybody who I see who's involved in those, when they start working harder uh, and focusing more, they usually get more opportunity. And once they get more opportunity, they get more success. And once they get more success... They're less bitter and disgruntled and cause less problems. It's a very simple formula. So if you if you find yourself in what in especially comedy, but whatever, you know, art or craft or trade or hobby or whatever you're in, very disgruntled, just do more. Not that it's fair, it's not. Not that it's specific. It can be random. But by doing more, you you're gonna guarantee yourself a better shot to have more chances and more success than by spending that time just bitching and moaning. And you'll be surprised how, how how much less bitter you are once you do that. I find it myself. I want to put the world in its place until I sit down in front of my notepad and actually fucking write a bit. And remember how hard it is. And remember I've done it a couple times before and can do it again. And boy does that do wonders for my mood. So do that. Do that. You have a problem with how shows are run? Run one. And run it well. Good luck. I hope you do. I hope you prove me wrong. I hope you do it the way you think I or anyone else doesn't do it correctly. Do it. Put yourself out there. It's the scariest fucking thing for me is going to be to release this. I've, I've already taken it down once today. I'll probably take it down again. It's not easy to put yourself out there. But you'll be surprised how much less bitter once you start putting yourself out there. Uh, you are. Take, you take the shot. If you're upset, take the shot. You don't like, uh, you don't like a certain comics material, then you write it. You don't like the way a show is run, you do it. You don't like how mics are, you, d- you don't like the way a scene is, build your own. I'd, be, I'd love to come join it. It's a little <laughs> unwarranted advice, but, but I say all that to say that it does my heart well to see people in other places really jumping on top of it and owning it and, and doing a really, really good job. I mean, if you get a chance to go to these shows that they're doing it in Strummers or if they move to another venue uh, when you're in Fresno, I really recommend you do it. And In Bakersfield here, we got some people in town that are really doing good things. And everywhere you go, if you dig hard enough, you'll find a scene where they're really doing good stuff. If you're in San Luis Obispo, Mike Zaleski, I don't know if he's running shows right now. Um, really... Really on top of things, and they got some. They got some really funny people out there, and you know Rick Store and Nick Malizia and all and all these people. Aiden, uh, they really got anywhere you want to go. It doesn't have to be the big city. You want to go out to Ventura? Terrence Washington's doing a thousand shows out there at at all the clubs. Um, Sam Ridley is all over the. All these people in these regions, not just the huge market. There are people out there really doing it well. That if you kind of just keep an eye out on them it can not only fill the tank for you but but kind of carry you forward. And, and all the markets, I know people in Tulsa, uh, Andrew Deacon, smashing it out there. I'm pretty sure he started his own comedy festival out of nowhere. You can do these things, and, it, and the world is smaller now than it ever is. So uh, I recommend giving it that shot and following people who do. Uh, I'm going to do more of that and try to put myself more out there, do these more frequently, like I said. Uh, for those of you who who spent the time listening to this, uh, either the first and or the second time, I appreciate it. I will do my best to make these more frequent. And if you uh, if you listen more, if we get more listeners, if some of your friends enjoy this, if some more of my friends enjoy this, we build up the numbers. I will take some time away from that dreaded notebook and record more. The next one, I'm going to have a guest. Uh, who knows? Maybe it'll be our, our podcast phenom, phenom, Joe Alanese, or maybe I'll get Dan here one of the other folks close by so I can get one out to you quicker right now I've got to uh leave you to watch the 2019 NBA draft lottery where we're going to pretend that the NBA did not rig the draft to get the Knicks Zion Williamson just like they did allegedly rig the draft to get Patrick Ewing so many years back we all know it's coming but I'm going to watch it as though it's not going to happen and it'd be so good if I'm wrong and it flops Uh, and we can all laugh and make memes about it. Uh, Share this with your friends or I'm going to spoil Game of Thrones. I I really won't do that. Uh, I really appreciate uh, all the time you took to to listen. Uh, Hope to see you out at a show sometime soon. Thank you very much. Take care. Take care.
0: I'm in this bitch. Yeah. Was on the outside looking in this bitch, but now I'm in this bitch. Yeah. I'm in this bitch. 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 Don't you, you a genius? shit shit work itself out, shit work itself out, See 5 yeah, back in this bitch, told you left this bitch, like you knew this bitch was gonna let your ass back in this bitch, yeah. Yeah. but ain't nobody else like you in this bitch.